Welcome to the latest in our bi-monthly series of podcasts in which we talk to one of our investment partners about the current markets and the outlook for the coming months. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined again by Richard Carter from Quiltish Heavy Investment Management. Morning, Richard. Morning. I think it was about 12 months ago when we last sat down to talk about the state of investment markets. I don't think at the time either of us could have predicted what the next 12 months would bring. So perhaps the place to start is to look back over the last 12 months to see how we've arrived at where we are. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. Trying to predict what's going on sort of, you know, at the moment is very, very tough. So, I mean, we've basically gone from this world of, you know, on one hand, sort of low inflation and low interest rates. And then we had the sort of the COVID crisis. And now we've emerged from that into this sort of different regime where we've got, you know, very high rates of inflation. We've got the energy crisis, the war in Ukraine and central banks basically having to move away very, very quickly from the the world of low interest rates and QE towards much higher interest rates. And uh, that's causing problems for uh, markets generally, particularly on the, on the bond side, of course. Uh, and it's also raising concerns that we're going to end up in you know, potentially a, a difficult recession over the next six months or so. And yeah, so it has been a, a, a very, very uh, tough uh, year so far for most investors. And it's not being helped by the current political backdrop at all, is it? It's it's not. I mean, the, the government is, 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 yeah, it's right to say that there's a lot of global factors here at play. And that is absolutely true. You know, the strength of the dollar, rising interest rates in the US and everything else. But they've not helped themselves by maybe underestimating the importance of credibility when you're borrowing a lot of money from uh, from markets and from, from global investors. It's been a last couple of weeks, particularly, has been a real mess. And it's made the job of the Bank of England all the more harder because they, they're supposed to be getting interest rates up, unwinding quantitative easing. And then they were you know, forced to step back into the market and re- almost restart quantitative easing to try and get gilt yields under control because the pension fund industry was really struggling. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned this global factors because I think it's very easy to be focused upon what's happening here in the UK. Whereas from where I'm sitting, I see the influence of what's going on in the United States as being quite contributory to all of this because of the strength of the dollar. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the case. And I think, you know, let's not forget that when markets look at the economic news and when they think about what central banks do, first and foremost, they're worrying about the Federal Reserve. You know, the dollar is the most important uh, currency. The US economy is the most important as well. And uh, the US markets are, are massive, not just for US investors, but for, for everyone. So, they that is where the focus is and unfortunately you know the fed is is in a sort of similar battle as the bank of england which is it's trying to get inflation down it's trying to slow the economy down and that you know that may cause a uh, a recession down the, down the line i mean what i would say though is that the strength of the dollar this year although it's it's causing problems for for different countries you know it's been quite good news for uk investors because those those investors who have got exposure to us markets and and also Big overseas earners on the in, in the UK market have benefited from that the weakness in the in sterling versus the dollar. Although it's only offset overall losses. Yeah, because if if we look at the last twelve months, we've we've seen falls in the equity markets, but we've seen much bigger falls in the bond markets. Yeah, and and that has particularly impacted, I think, on an awful lot of clients who have historically had what would we have called in the old days a fully diversified portfolio with a exposure to fixed interest to control the risk profile. That's very, very uncomfortable for those investors. 
You know, it, it certainly is. And, and the losses on in gilt markets, in, in index linked markets in the UK this year have been historically completely uh, off the charts. And actually, unlike, you know, equity investors, global equity investors who might have benefited from the weakness in sterling, you, you don't really get that if you're a gilt investor, I'm afraid. It's, in fact, mm. it's often the reverse because a weaker sterling leads to higher inflation, which means more pressure, upward pressure on interest rates. So it's not, it, it, it has been very bad. I mean, you can't think of much worse scenario really for, for gilt investors with, um, you know, rapidly rising inflation and rapidly rising interest rates. And unfortunately, the UK market is what we would say long duration. So it is a long maturity market with a lot of pension fund in, investments in it. Um, and unfortunately, when yields rise, that leads to sharp falls in, in prices because the bonds are very sensitive to, to rising uh, interest rates. And that, and so clients who perhaps have been very cautious in the past and have got those kind of portfolios have seen far worse fall than others who have taken more equity risk. Yes, absolutely. And um, no, there's, there's no getting away from the fact that you, you know, you've been this year, it, you know, it's, it's strange, a year that's been difficult for markets, you've been better off in those more traditionally what we would say risky assets than the uh, the, the sort of lower risk portfolios. Although I do, I do think, um, so it has been difficult, although I do think we've got to the stage now in some parts of the bond market where, you know, hopefully future returns look, look pretty attractive because the yields are you know, we've gone back from a post-financial crisis world of low interest rates and low inflation, almost in the space of a few months, back to yields that we haven't seen uh, since before the financial crisis. You know, sort of 4% on short-term gilts, almost 7% on investment-grade corporates. So, yes, very difficult this year. Hopefully, uh, future returns will be better. We've had a difficult year. Um, we're facing probably more increases in interest rates, which would you expect the market to have priced most of that in yet? Or can we expect some more shocks? I, I think personally that the bond market has priced in as many interest rate rises the Bank of England can possibly do and, and more, to be honest, because the gilt market's pricing in rates getting to around five and a half percent in the UK early next year. I struggle to see that. I mean, I think that the rise in mortgage rates that we're seeing uh, and that we would see if that was if, that, if the Bank of England went that far would be pretty de- devastating for consumers who are already struggling with higher energy bills. So I think um, to some extent the markets have priced in too high interest rates in the UK. I just don't think they'll they'll get there. Slightly different for the Fed. The, the market's pricing in rates getting to around four and a half. That sounds mm. a bit more reasonable. And maybe the Fed might have to do a bit more than that. But I certainly think in terms of interest rate expectations in the UK, they're, they're probably there. But that said, the, the government still needs to reclaim, you know, re, you know, reclaim some credibility after the mess of the last couple of weeks. And until they do that, you know, there's, there's still going to be some, some uh, difficult days, I think, in, in gilt markets. Yeah, we're going to have some trouble trying trying to raise them kind of money if we can't get that credibility back. I don't want to get this too political, but we've seen the government reverse the the removal of 45% tax. There's talk about still disruption within the cabinet about benefit rises and the, and the rest of it. This doesn't make very good reading, does it, for for global investors looking to the UK perhaps and buying our our debt. No, it it doesn't. And we should remember that, you know, we have a big current account deficit and we have a big fiscal deficit and we need money. You know, we Mm. need money from overseas. I mean, we're we're not in the in the COVID world where we could borrow lots of money because the Bank of England was doing QE on the same time and everyone was happy to 
buy bonds because they knew the Bank of England was on your side. They're not anymore. They're, they're no. trying to reverse Q, QE and they're trying to get interest rates up and, and uh, inflation down. And, you know, the UK needs to have a credible plan to bring bring borrowing down over the long term and sort of what they did to sort of sack the chief civil servant, servant yeah. treasury on the first day and then sort of try to ignore, you know, any OBR forecast was just was just crazy. And I yeah. think they've um, yeah. learned a harsh lesson. Yeah, they have learned a harsh lesson, and let's let's hope they take they they take it on board. It's interesting you mentioned a little earlier about you know mortgage rates potentially going up to levels which we've not seen for many many years. I've been around for an awfully long time, Richard, and I can certainly remember mortgage rates at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen percent. But of course, at that time, the size of people's mortgages was considerably smaller than they are today, and there's a whole host of people out there who have never ever experienced this kind of market environment and they're obviously seeking reassurance from the likes of us and and our investment partners as to will this come good eventually sure yeah that? yeah i know i i, I accept that and, and and you know people you know you could get back to a world of you know mortgage rates of, of much higher than they've been and over time things would settle down and adjust to that it's just that that adjustment would be very very painful as you say you know a lot of people yeah sat on you know, very high mortgages potentially coming up for uh, resetting the rate or whatever maybe they're on a variable rate and and when you add that to the rise in energy bills you can see that it, the, the adjustment for people and for the economy as a whole would be very very painful which is why probably I, you know i don't think the bank of england's going to be getting you know rates up as much as, as some people in the market are expecting I mean, I think over time, yes, absolutely, things would settle down. I think the government's going to get its, you know, hopefully going to get its house in order. And and as I said, you know, if inflation starts to come down a little bit, the Bank of England maybe won't need to raise rates that much. But I'm afraid a little bit in the short term, it, it, it's still going to be a little bit difficult. Yeah, although inflation does, a lot of reports would suggest that inflation does look it's going to, as though it's going to peak in the next, you know, six, eight weeks or so. From what I've read, certainly it it, it will. I mean, the quote, yes, it will. And the fact the fact that the government's done this energy cap, you know, um, means that inflation should peak at ten percent or so, and then start to come down. So that would be great if we can start to see that. And there's a similar situation in the US. Inflation looks like it's peaked. Now it's a question of how quickly it comes down. But um, yeah, we we could. You know, hopefully, as we get through the winter into next year, hopefully start to be in a, a, a better situation if inflation's uh, starting to come down. Yeah, because it was very interesting because if you look back over the last couple of months, we had a bit of a mini rally, didn't we, in the markets in um, end of July, early August, where certainly equity markets seemed to tick up a little bit. But since then, they've definitely gone south. So, yeah, yes, and it, and a lot of this goes back to this thing that people are going to hear a lot about, that the Fed pivot, as they say. Markets have, have seen the Fed raise rates aggressively. They're hoping at some stage they'll be able to take their foot off the brake and and, uh, and, and maybe leave interest rates where they are. And um, I think the hope over the summer was that they were going to do that soon. And then the Fed came out with some very hawkish statements saying, we're, no, we're not done yet, we, we've still got a long way to go. So that was what caused a few of the thoughts. Actually, this week we've seen um, that sort of Fed pivot thing come back into fashion because a couple of data points out the states were quite weak. And uh, and it's a bit of a case of um, bad news is good news at the moment because people are hoping that you know, slower growth in the US economy will lead to a, a sort of more uh, relaxed Fed, which might be actually uh, good for markets long term. Yeah, probably good for global markets, I would think, yeah. because um, there's a, there's something going through my mind, and it's and, and some some of the comments we've had from the Fed, some of the comments we've had from the Bank of England, um, Andrew Bailey in particular, they strike me as almost 
trying to strike the fear of God into people to discourage consumer spending, because if you do that, folks, you're going to be paying more on any debt you've got, as well as increasing interest rates. I agree with that. And, and it's you know, and again, it's, it does make it into a potentially quite difficult situation, which is which is and then it plays into this thing about soft landing versus hard landing. You know, we'd hope that the, the Fed could get rates up and slow the economy, but not cause a, a recession. But the more they sort of, you know, bang the drum about they'll get rates up and inflation down, whatever come what may, yeah. it raises these fears about a hard landing. But um, so that's that's, uh, you know, I mean, arguably quite a lot of that's priced into the markets because the markets have been, you know, are quite gloomy about the situation at the moment. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if they can achieve a soft landing, it would be brilliant. But uh, it's looking difficult at the moment. What's going to make things turn, Richard, do you think? What's going to be what's going to improve market sentiment? I think I mean, you've almost seen it. In the last two days, I think, you know, I think that the key, the key is in some ways the US labor market. As long as that's very tight, as long as wages are rising sharply, the Fed's got more work to do in terms of getting interest rates up. If we start to see a bit of softness in that, um, and it's early days, but you know, we, we, a couple of reports have been a bit, a little bit weaker. If we see softness in that, markets can think, aha, the Fed's, the Fed's nearly done or will be done in the next couple of months and, and, and we can, you know, start to think about, you know, maybe the economy getting to, into better shape a bit further down the line. So I think that's that's one key thing. UK, obviously, the government just needs to stop tripping on banana skins. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see if they, if they can do that. And then obviously you have the other thing going on is is energy crisis and war in Ukraine. Obviously, any move towards um, peace talks in Ukraine would be fantastic for markets. But I'm afraid it doesn't look like that's about to happen. No, it doesn't, does it? That's That's the thing. You, you touched there about the government here not stepping on any more any more banana skins, which brings me to reports a couple of weeks ago after the mini budget, when there were reports that Kwasi Kwarteng was thinking of even further tax cuts, potentially in this fiscal statement he's planning in November. I'm not quite sure how the market's going to react to that, given what's happened already. I, I, I can't see it happening. And, and um he seems to have been egged on by you know, egged on by some parts of the uh, of the media and maybe some parts of the financial industry. I don't know, but I think he's making very loose statements. I think when they get the forecasts and the OBR forecasts, they'll realise that you know they, they've they've got two choices: they can stop cutting taxes by so much or start cutting spending. And um, cutting spending in this situation where you know you've got you know public sector workers are you know struggling to keep the shell on the road uh, is going to be very very hard so um i think uh, once they've had a you know hard numbers come to them from the obr they'll they'll have to rethink again about uh, about further tax cuts but we'll see as i say it's all about for them getting that credibility back yeah they have to, i've got the credibility we're jumping around a little bit here, but the other thing that I've been looking at is I've been looking looking at the oil price, which people might not think is the case, but it actually has fallen quite considerably from its peak earlier in the year. I think it was trading around about $120, $130 a barrel, something like that, and it's now around $90 a barrel, which suggests that that's going to impact on falling inflation, falling energy prices, etc. But I also heard reports that OPEC are thinking of reducing the amount of oil they're producing which has the effect of supporting oil prices, which doesn't strike me as being very helpful for a global economy. It certainly isn't. And uh, OPEC never do seem to be particularly helpful, uh, I'm afraid, for the global economy. They've got their own reasons to try and keep oil prices up. I mean, but you're, you're absolutely right. Oil, the oil price has come off the boil. 
partly because you know concern about demand going forward, uh, particularly out of China as well, where growth is yeah. pretty slow. And yeah. a weaker oil price absolutely would help that you know the inflation problem. Uh, and if it's, if the oil price kept going down, inflation as I say, inflation in six months' time might look a lot less scary than it does now. Yeah, it does look very scary, and it's not something that we're used to for, or certainly there's a whole load of people that will not have seen this kind of uh, market sentiment for a while. You mentioned China there and demand from China, which it, China is a major factor in the global economy, but it's been going through periods of lockdown in certain cities, etc. It's not yet fully open, is it? And that's going to impact on their growth. No, absolutely. I mean, we yeah, we seem to have... Um kind of put the sort of covid world to, to some extent anyway behind us but the, but china they've still got these you know zero covid policies when you you know you get a few mm. cases in shanghai or whatever but a lot of people get get locked down so that's not helping and then at the same time they've got a bit of let's be honest a bit of a property crash going on property markets really struggling you know you've had some companies really run into trouble in over the last year or so on the back of that so China is China is struggling to meet its growth targets. And uh, as you say, it's an important part of the global economy. So if they're struggling, it's not good news for the rest of us. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. This is perhaps an unfair question because I'm looking at a crystal ball now. If we were sat having this conversation in 12 months time, which no doubt we probably will be, would we have seen a turn, do you think? I think we'll be looking at inflation in the rearview mirror, I hope. A little bit depends on, you know, Ukraine and, and gas yeah. and all the rest of it. But I, I hope we'll be talking about inflation coming down i think we'll be talking about can central banks start to cut rates from the levels that they got to and we'll be talking about i think is growth recovering so i i'm hoping and let's let's, and also markets tend to discount these things you know six months out i hope that once we get through the winter and we've seen the sort of peak in rates and the peak inflation we can start to turn a little bit more optimistic about that's a very important point you make there richard because you're quite right markets tend to anticipate these things far further in advance than perhaps the private investor does. And what we have seen in the past time and time again is that the private investor will go back into the market almost too late because they're waiting to see that the market has recovered and has probably given back most of its recovery. So they miss out on that. Do you tend to agree with that? That that is often... An issue, and I wouldn't just say private investors. I, could, you know, I would say uh, this is something often people struggle with, and, and which is what you know our jobs are to try and try and get yeah. right. Is that yeah. uh, anticipating these changes is difficult, but there are a number of factors that you can look at, and I think it's you know often when people at their sort of peak bearishness, if you like, pity really worried about things, that's the time to turn more positive because actually the you know a bit of good news and, and the market really starts to pop up. So things are difficult, but we shouldn't get, you know, too carried away. Opportunities will will come. Yes, no, I think I think they will. And I think we should also remember that we've seen markets like this in the past and not that long ago, because we can go back to the days of the first start of the, the pandemic when markets dropped dramatically overnight, and but they recovered most of that loss fairly quickly. This just feels to me as though it's going to take us a bit longer to recover from what we've seen. Absolutely. And I'd also say that recovery from COVID or the market recovery from COVID just once again demonstrates the absolute power and central importance of central of central banks you know when they're your when they're on your side they're a powerful friend indeed and again i you know another example of solid recoveries we could say is remember mario draghi when you had the italy and you know italy meltdown spain meltdown and the ecb stepped in and wow what a difference that made so 
that's why the people are so looking for this sort of turn in the Fed language where they st- suddenly stop being so aggressive with rate hikes and mm. start to be a bit more dovish because that, that would be a, a sort of a bit of a buy signal for people. Yeah, it is, it is, it is the, the language that makes a big difference, isn't it? Richard, that's been a very wide ranging conversation this morning and I do appreciate you giving up your time for us because our clients do find these podcasts useful. And it does help to explain as to why we've got where we are and and what we might be looking at in the coming months. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this podcast. It, It does seem, and you'll have gathered from the conversation there, that we're in a very volatile world which is very uncomfortable um, and very often it can drive us to make decisions that are based upon our emotions rather than perhaps hard reality. Uh, Perhaps what we should remember that there have been periods of volatility in the past and they have caused short-term disruption to markets, but that whilst very uncomfortable when you're living through it, over time they tend to recover. So it's probably best if you are already invested to stick to your guns. If you have got money available to invest you might be thinking about doing so because we may be near the bottom of the market although none of us can predict that but thank you very much for listening today and hopefully we can welcome you again thank you